Part two of session 42. Let's continue talking about balancing the self, but this time from meditation and strengthening of the will. Let's begin. In the last video, we covered session 42 at the beginning, where the conversation went into balancing the self through understanding the emotions and catalysts and so on. And the first couple of questions are going to be related to that, because those are the questions that I didn't want to cover in the last video uh, as we went over the hour. And I think there was a lot to talk about there. So there is there's a lot to say about that. Uh, then the conversation is going to go into meditation and strengthening of the will, which is something really important also that uh, we have to talk about and we have to put into context, especially after exploring what um, the, uh, the balancing of the self is in terms of the experience that we have outside. You know, like the external experience is always external or the apparent uh, external world. And then we have the function or tool of meditation, which is self-reflection and uh, connection with the self. So that is an inevitable key to understanding everything that happens to us. So I love that the, the session, I feel like most of the sessions just went perfect, you know, in how the questions were. Uh, were ordered and you know, just a conversation in general. You can see that the conversation between Don and Ra always had some sort of uh, body of understanding, some lessons that that were sometimes even through different sessions. As of course, you know, would be the case because Carla had just enough energy. So um, I don't think there's much to say, but just remember from last session that we were talking about balancing the self from the emotions, catalyst, experience, and all this stuff that we have now for for our tools to understand who we are. And with that, I think we can just go straight into the question that I had left uh, out. And is Don saying, how can a person know when he is unswayed by an emotional charged situation, if he is repressing the flow of emotions or if he is imbalanced and truly unswayed? Um, so just again, here, um, it's also good to remember that Don is coming from, you know, the, the, the way to see how, you know, the somebody, how can, how can we see the symptoms, uh, almost of, of somebody, you know, who has emotional repressed, um, um, I would say, uh, tendencies or is used to repress their emotions. And that's going, Rod's going to correct something here that it's, uh, I think is, I mentioned in the last video, so I'm going to make an emphasis here too. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's what Don wants to know, like the repression of emotions, somebody who has a repression of emotions and somebody who is unswayed or simply has no uh, effect from from emotions in, in its um, in its way of living. So here's Ross correction when they say we have spoken to this point, therefore we shall briefly iterate that to the balanced entity no situation has an emotional charge, but is simply a situation, like any other, in which the entity may or may not observe an opportunity to be of service. So, again, just a refresher. No situation brings with itself an emotion. Um, and this can be seen in different ways, even to the deep uh, understanding that there is no situation actually there is only consciousness experiencing itself so the entity incarnate here and that has an ego that is the I would call it the interface mode that we have to live in this reality we need the um, uh, it's not that we need the ego I don't want to say that <laughs> that sounds like everybody's gonna bring their torches and pitchforks uh, but the ego is a natural reaction to to the external world. That is normal. And it's just us balancing with our consciousness and our understanding that the ego is not needed for us to, to live. The ego is not the one that is ruling everything. The ego is just a process that we have. So 
uh, there is no such thing as you know the the person experiencing something there is only experience happening and in the experience because of our imbalances we can show emotions emotions to that situation because the emotions are coming out from the point of view that there is separation so this is just a sort of complex way of saying that there is no emotional um, charge situation but you can also see it you know in more simplistic terms that no situation can bring uh, an emotion a specific emotion so you know war let's just the the war for example which i think uh, i don't watch news recently but i've heard you know from the periphery of my uh my my perception right now that there is something going on you know with war and it's funny how these things with war happen right it was 20 years ago that we went to afghanistan and i hear some stuff that's going on in afghanistan again so it's like exactly 20 years is happening again you would think that oh you know that's just the mercy we are at the mercy of the cosmic you know clock that's just not the case <laughs> things are being played because that's just how uh the orion group works so in any case you know let's use that war war is a situation however it brings all kinds of emotions for some people it's uh terror for others are you know it's a it's an emotion of sadness. For others, is a lot of happiness because they are profiting from it. For others, it's an opportunity of you know for being of service. For others, an opportunity you know for them to satisfy their need to engage in war. I mean, it brings all kinds of emotions. So the the situation itself doesn't bring any specific emotion, and it's just a a situation like no other. They say, you know. And that's why they say that the entity may or may not observe an opportunity to be of service. Again, using the, the example of war, and we have discussed this in previous sessions, a person, you know, may want to be involved to be of service to its fellow um, countrymen, whether that be, you know, in Afghanistan or the supposed terrorist or the people, you know, in the U.S. or other countries involved in this, or, you know, uh, not be of service. You know, they just don't want to be of service uh, in that way. I mean, it can be of service in many ways. So that is um, that is the correction that Ra is mentioning here. I think for us it's pretty easy to see that no no situation has brings about any emotion itself. It's uh, it's our perception of it. So we are conditioned to see certain situations by specific emotions, and that, that's just how we rock. So, Ra says, the closer an entity comes to this attitude, the closer an entity is to balance. That is, to be in, um, to see in situations without emotions, what they're saying. You may note that it is not our recommendation that reactions to catalyst be repressed or suppressed unless such reactions would be a stumbling block, not consonant with the law of one to another self. It is far, far better to allow the experience to express itself in order that the entity may then make fuller use of this catalyst. Okay, so this is another important point. Uh, not only that, the, the closer the entity comes to perceiving situation, and this is just a spontaneous thing. You see, there's a difference between, you know, thinking that you have the trick now and saying like, okay, I, I shouldn't have an emotion on anything now. I'm just going to live my life without any emotions. And if I feel one, I know that I shouldn't have it, so I'm not going to experience it. <laughs> that's not how it is. That's, that's trying to cheat the system. That's trying to, to find, you know, to go to one-up the universe, as Alan Watts used to say. Yo, you know, why do you want to one-up the universe? Why do you want to be a, one step ahead of the universe? Um, so that's not how it works. It's just a spontaneous thing that, you know, somebody may come here and tell you, did you hear about what's going on in Afghanistan? And you can say, yes, I did. You know, are you upset? Aren't you happy? Aren't you excited? Aren't you, you know, depressed? Aren't you, you know, they want to bring your emotion, their emotions to you. And to you, that may be, you know, just how it is. It's like saying, did you see that another tree fell in the forest? Yes, I did. You know, it's part of nature. It's okay. You know, it's, uh, it's all fine. So to you, there's no emotional charge. And uh, that's, you know, just to put a little um, uh, sidetrack here. Um, 
This is how you also help crystallize other people or through your crystallization of situations that have no emotions is that you can serve as a healer in this particular way of the person bringing their emotions to you and you channeling them like nothing. And they would ask you like, how can you possibly not be moved by this situation if it's so blah, blah, blah. You know, and uh, you're just going to say because this, this and that, and you know, that's just how I see the world. And that person will be uh, presented with a different view as opposed to reaffirming their own visions or views of the world. And now you have given a different catalyst for them to work on. So, all right. So they keep saying, you may note that it's not a recommendation, of course, to block basically uh, emotions or suppress them, as they say. Um, unless, you know, it's not in consonant, it's not consonant with the law of one uh, to another self. So again, I, I said already what is not to be, you know, that person that wants to cheat the universe. All you're doing is inviting to greater imbalance if you're blocking your emotions, because those emotions in, you know, in a, in a, in a very basic way, what they're doing is knocking on your door on your consciousness door saying, hey, you know, we are affected by this. We have a sensitivity to this sort of situation, you know, so pay attention. Let's do something. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an alarm system that's going on there. So it's almost like, I think it was in Yellowstone Forest where, you know, for years they, they, they said, you know, oh, we can't have fires in the forest. <laughs> um, you know, let's just... Uh, pacify all the little fires that happen naturally even and then you know after years of accumulating all this stuff it's just like one big uh incendiary event that happened so you know we we have to let those things burn you know our emotions burn and from there we can just you know rebuild you know rebuild our our perception of self so uh, it's not to be a stumbling block, not consonant with the law of one uh, to another self. That just means that, you know, um, if I have an, a strong emotion, you know, to slap my boss, <laughs> as much of an emotion that may be, um, you know, it, it, it may incur in harm. You know, that person may be affected by childhood traumas or problems with the family at the, at the moment. You don't know what people's going on, you know, so you're that is not consonant with the law of one. You're seeing a separation there. Uh, that's the best way I can describe, you know, something not consonant with the law of one. It's a very uh, reduced way to say it, but if it's seeing yourself in separation with another self or with, you know, anything else, then you're not you're not talking law of one there. You're talking law of separation. I know, I know. There's no other law but the law of one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can I have a joke? So, uh, yeah, then with their cosmic joke, right? Who understands that? I know, I've got an answer. It's about the cosmic joke, and I, st I still can't laugh. I mean, I understand all your explanations. You know, some of them are kind of funny, but I, uh, <laughs> I don't get it. I still don't get it. All right. So, it is far, far better to allow experience to, exper to express itself in order that the entity may then make fuller use of this catalyst. That's, is, that's huge, because that's what I'm saying about... When you allow the fire of your emotions to burn, now you can see the burning, the, the flame going on and, and analyze, you know, what, what, what's, what's going on? What's causing that? What's the, the combustion? What is the, the fuel, you know, that is causing this fire to burn? That is making use of the catalyst, making use of the experience that is burning you, you know, to see what can I learn from here that is in consonant with the law of one? You know, where is the separation in my view here that I can include in my um, my perception of oneness, my perception of unity with the environment, other selves, animals, the cosmos in general? So that is that's a, that's a very helpful actual way of seeing things in life. Question eleven, Don says. How can an individual assess what energy centers within its being are activated and in no immediate need of further attention and which energy centers are not activated and are in need of immediate attention? Um, this question, I may have to talk about this question. Uh, let's see if Ra addresses it. The thoughts of an entity, its feelings or emotions, says Ra, 
And least, least of all, its behavior are the signposts for the teaching learning of self by self. In the analysis of one's experiences of a diurnal cycle, an entity may assess what it considers to be an inappropriate thoughts, behaviors, feelings, and emotions. In examining these inappropriate activities of mind, body, and spirit complexes, the entity may then place these distortions in the proper vibrational ray and thus see where work is needed. Okay, so a couple of things before the question actually gets too far deep into your subconscious. Because <laughs> I need to correct a couple of things. Uh, Ra doesn't mention it, but it's implicit in our understanding of this. So Don is saying, um, how can an individual assess what energy centers within its being? And I understand, you know, I think that's why Ra bypassed, you know, correcting this or or making mention of this. And it's understandable. There was limited time all the time in the session, so it's understandable. And I'll, I'll state my correction here or my further clarification of the question that can be taken to uh, wrong interpretation. Put it that way. All right, so um, it's it's basically Don asking the assessment of the energy centers. How can I assess my energy centers and which need attention? Okay, but the words that I don't like here is you know uh, no immediate need for further attention. Which which ones are activated? You know, and others are not you know in need of immediate attention. Which are not activated and are in need. Uh, of immediate attention. So it's almost like, you know, you're looking at uh, uh, lamps or, you know, um, some uh, light bulbs that are turning on and not turning on, you know, those are turned off, you know, I don't need to pay attention to that. That's not how we work. Uh, we work in a, a sort of harmonious way in all of them. So, you know, Ra's answer is basically to, you know, to, to, the, to the essence of Don's question, but because the question is phrased this way, I don't want to uh, people to think that we have some activated and some are not. We may very well have all of them activated. Some people who have never activated their heart chakra, for example, yes, you know, they don't have activation there. <laughs> um, fine, you know, say this doesn't happen anymore at this time in our in our timeline in our time space now in 2021. And further on, since 2012, I believe, this is a strong belief that I have, that there is no second density being incarnated here, here for third density. So people who may think, I know, I know, some people may get sad about this, but people who think that their dogs, their pets in general, uh, are, you know, incarnate now in a human, that is very unlikely given the seniority of incarnation. But let's take that example from previous decades where that was possible and they were incarnate here. Some some of those adults may be here still, you know, and I don't want to create, of course, any sort of, you know, stratification here with, you know, people who just recent newbies <laughs> to third density. Uh, we don't know. We never know. But that is a possibility. And those don't have, the, these people don't have their uh, hearts or possibly not. I mean, their, their potential and activity. They are in potentiation. Their energy centers are in potentiation, but they may not be activated, you know, or at least not uh, sufficiently activated to um, to to show to to be demonstrated in their personality or their attitudes. They very well may be, but in any case, you know, this is a long way of extending, you know, Don's question to say that some people may have activated their uh, their energy centers. But that's just not how it works in general for most people. Everybody has their energy centers in potentiation, which means that they're, they have sensitivity for the sensations or feelings or consciousness being felt in that way. So um, it just works, you know, in, in any way. And you have to place it in, in, in the correct energy center. And that's what Ross is gonna talk about. So now Ross uh, answer to this, and again, just going back to the essence of Don's question is like, how do I gauge, you know, my situations and, and, you know, see where do I need to work in my energy centers? That is a very appropriate question, actually. And the essence of it is, is you know, what Ron's going to answer here. But again, you know, just remember, all your energy centers are 
potentially activate it. So all you need to do, especially if you're, if you're watching the Law of One and you're watching me, you know, <laughs> me, you know, out of everybody else that you can watch on YouTube and any other channel, then for sure, you know, you have been down this path in your previous incarnations or, you know, have sufficient knowledge and understanding to, to know that you are, you have been activated, you know, all your chakras, all your energy centers. Um, and this is really no wishful thinking. This is, you know, how I perceive the world. You know, I may be wrong, <laughs> but this is just how I see it. You know, I think anybody interested in this material is for sure, you know, looking for indigo ray working. You have to have, you know, your other energy centers activated for, for this to be, you know, a point of attention into your day-to-day -day activities or your, um, your train of thought in general. So in any case, I think we understand each other. <laughs> so now back to understanding Ra. They say that the thoughts of an entity, its feelings or emotions, and, and least of all its behavior are the signposts for the teaching learnings of self by self. So what does this mean? Uh, first of all, the teaching learnings of self by self is very important. You are the only one that can understand and learn from anything. You know, nobody can tell you, I am your teacher. <laughs> you don't allow that. I mean, you can give your authority to somebody and say, you know what, I trust you. I have resonance with you. And I want to know what you think about this. And I want you to teach me this. You are, that's fine. You know, you're projecting your own authority to somebody else. And this is why, you know, uh, true masters and gurus would really look at you and say, I have nothing to teach you. You are the one, you know, to teach yourself. But you will insist and insist and insist until, you know, they say, fine. They know they're not going to teach you anything, but they're going to make you teach yourself. <laughs> they're going to play a trick on you. They're going to play around with you so you can learn by yourself. You cannot learn by other self. Um, so that's why, you know, teaching learning of cell by self. Now, the signposts are, I don't think they're in order at the beginning because they say thoughts feelings and emotions actually they may be uh, but the behavior is the least why because the behavior is not something we can measure truly it's not something that we can it is condition behavior is condition in everything is condition actually thoughts feelings and emotions are are conditioned however the behavior is a it, it's it's less of something you can measure let's just put it that way because your thoughts are something that is they're very spontaneous. Behaviors can be actually uh, less spontaneous. Behaviors can be more of a um, predetermined, not predetermined, pre um, uh, premeditated, or yeah, you know, uh, previously thought, <laughs> uh, filtered. You know what I mean? So behaviors can be filtered. Where thoughts are happening all the time. Uh, feelings are spontaneous and emotions are spontaneous too. So these are the signposts that teach you. They, like I said, they, they are the alarm uh, signals of, of your body and your mind telling you, hey, we're sensitive here, let's do something. They say, in the analysis of one's experiences of a diurnal cycle, so basically in the, the analysis of your experiences during the day, an entity may assess what it considers to be inappropriate thoughts, behaviors, feelings, and emotions. Now, uh, one word we need to pay attention to, inappropriate. Because of our culture, the word inappropriate is sort of like a moralistic, uh, you know, it, it seems to be like, all right, what's appropriate? In fact, it's a polarity. You see something appropriate, then there's inappropriate. I don't think that's a way, you know, to, um, let me put this, because there's a reason why Ra used this word. Because of our perception, we can give a different meaning to inappropriate. So I'm going to give first, I'm going to take away our conception of inappropriateness, and then we're going to go into what I consider Ra meant by inappropriate. Inappropriate for us is something that shouldn't be done, period. You know, you should never, you know, kill somebody. You should never offend somebody. You should never, I don't know, you, the commandments, you know, all of those are inappropriate, depending on how you see them. <laughs> you know, you can go both ways because, you know, for you to be good, there needs to be bad. So that's polarity. That is not the way that Ra meant here. When they say inappropriate, to me, it, it means 
it's calling for you to uh, to gauge because who is the final judge in everything? You. So what seems inappropriate to you may be appropriate for me. But that's fine, you know, because for me that is appropriate. For you, it is inappropriate. You have acquired a sort of understanding of life that that is inappropriate. So, you know, it could be anything. It could be uh, polyamorous. Some people think that's inappropriate. Some others think it's appropriate. So, you know, you and you analyze these things and you consider, you know, to see what's uh, what's important or not. You know, war may be inappropriate for some people. For others, it is appropriate. So, all of these emotions and feelings that you have that you consider to be inappropriate, subjectively, the the key word here is subjective, because of your subjective um, beingness, is that you can gauge, you know, these emotions and. It's, it is a measure, you know, for sure, you know, in third density, we need to have some sort of measurements. We have to have them, even though they're fake, they don't exist, they are illusions. We don't find a meter of anything in the world. Meter is a way of measuring, or yards, or inches, whatever. Um, liters, uh, gallons, they don't exist. They are not an entity on themselves. You know, we can't point to a gallon, they don't exist, they are measurements. So, but we need them. We need them to measure things. So in the same way, our moralistic views of things are just teaching us something. That's what they're saying, you know. Get those experiences of the day and see, you know, where they fall. Those emotions that you think are inappropriate, see where they fall. And they say, in examining these inappropriate activities of mind, body and spirit, once again, inappropriate subjectively, the entity may then place these distortions in the proper vibrational ray and thus see where work is needed. So let me give an example. If you're feeling that, um, um, I don't know, maybe you, you, you have had a toxic relationship with somebody that has been manipulating you or you have manipulating them. I, I've done this in the past and I mentioned it, you know, I, I can reflect on the amount of times that I have uh, manipulate somebody for my own gain, you know, whether that be, you know, uh, profit or sexual behavior or whatever, you know, anything that we deem important for the self, the, the selfish person, right? And we can analyze that and say, okay, these things are inappropriate for me and um, let me place them. Um, say for profit I did, that's my yellow ray. What is it that I consider that I need to take out from somebody for my own um, profitable uh, outcome? Or what is it that I need sexually for, from somebody that I need to manipulate them to gain some sexual pleasure that is orange? Or whatever it may be, you know, it's... You can talk about maybe, oh, I felt so offended by somebody who said that my hair looks terrible today. Um, well, that, that's orange also. Or maybe you feel, you know, unsatisfied, you know, with life. Well, that's green ray. Where is it that you don't see the love in life? You know, I don't feel, you know, worthy of me, you know, uh, expressing myself. That may be blue. I'm going very basic here, but you can see that the experiences can show you where you're lacking in your energy centers. And that's where you put, you place the distortions in the proper vibrational ray. And where work, where work is needed. So I hope that makes sense. Um, it, it's very simple, you know, once you get to understand energy centers and you see that everything in life can be um, can be attached to an energy center. That's why we have the chakra system. And I believe it's one of the most beautiful systems that we have for understanding our consciousness, our day-to-day -day consciousness. So, question 12. Let's keep going. We're halfway through and we still have a lot to cover. Don says, in the last session you said, the self, if conscious to a great enough extent of the workings of the catalyst of fasting and the techniques of programming, may, through concentration of the will and the faculty of faith alone, cause reprogramming without the analogy of fasting, diet, or another analogous body complex disciplines. What are the techniques of programming which the higher self uses to ensure that the desire lessons are learned or attempt by the third density self in our third density incarnational laboratory. Nice word there. <laughs> so, all right, recap here. Last session, they were talking about fasting and in essence, how fasting can be used as an analog 
for the mind to get rid of thought forms. And Ra said that you may not even need for the conscious being, you know, they said the self, if conscious to a great enough extent. So basically a conscious being, self, very conscious being, um, may not need fasting or rituals or anything else to do what's called magic, uh, white magic, which is work in consciousness, changes in consciousness at will. Now, will is a word that we're going to get into in a little bit, but that is a conscious being who is very conscious of its uh, catalyst and programming and seeing life as it is. The more conscious you are, the more aware you are of the workings of the cosmos. So that's what Ra said. We don't. We may not even need fasting or any other ritualistic, you know, for the mind to be in a process of um, reprogramming. Let's call it that way. And Dom being very perceptive, that you know, he says. What techniques of programming which the higher self used to ensure, you know, that these lessons are learned. Um, and uh, <laughs> I love the word laboratory because we are a laboratory here. I mean, seen from that way, I'm not mechanistic, of course, but um, I, I use it poetically. You know, we are a laboratory, not as a, um, you know, a true thing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the question. How do, how do we use that? How do, how do we do that? So... Ross says, there is but one technique for this growing or nurturing of will and faith, and that is the focusing of the attention. The attention span of those you call children is considered short. The spiritual attention span of most of your peoples is that of the child. Thus, it is a matter of wishing to become able to collect one's attention and hold it upon the desired programming. This, when continued, strengthens the will. The entire activity can only occur when there exists faith that an outcome of this discipline is possible. So here's where we're getting now into the uh, discipline, will, faith, and all of these tools that the adept has for creating magic. So Ra says that there's only one technique, okay? And from here we can extrapolate, of course. But there is only one technique, which is the attention um, that we give. I think uh, Joe Dispenza calls it uh, where you put your energy, where you put your attention is where you put your energy, is what he, he says a lot. And that is very true. I mean, where you're putting your focus, let's go back to the last question, the previous question where um, where you put, you put your attention. So if you analyze your day, and let's say you have, you know, like a, like a chart where you can, you can put all the, the experiences that you've had and you can put it in colors, a color chart. And you can say, well, I had a couple of reds, a lot of yellows, a couple of oranges, you know, a lot of green, blue. And then you can assess, you know, how your day looks. Then you can see where your attention is going into. Your attention is going through survival, through expression, uh, to whatever it may be, you know. So you can see that your attention is being there. You can see that a lot of people are very orange oriented. Their attention is always in the orange. Identity, identity, identity. A lot of people are in our society like this. Most people, actually, we covered this in last session, I think it was, where we talked about the societal orange inclination that we have, as opposed to even yellow. And we're supposed to go green. <laughs> so we're a little uh, retarded, as retarded, not in the way that it's offensive, but, you know, retard. Uh, there is a retardation in our process. Um, you know what I mean. <laughs> I know that word in English sounds uh, very heavy. But in Spanish, when we say retraso, it just means delay. That's the word, delay. Uh, so it's retarded in the delay way. So you can see that, uh, that the attention is very important there. So the attention span, uh, it's very important. They equate our attention, spiritual attention, meaning how much we focus on our important stuff. You know, what we really want to do in, uh, in our spiritual progress because we have so much distraction. So it's equal to the one of a baby or a child because they they can't focus on one thing, you know, for too long. Same thing with us, you know, we may say, you know, I'm going to meditate. And how often does it happen that we just go astray with our thoughts and, you know, we start writing our thoughts and our emotions and so on. And there is not much attention. This is why this is going to go into meditation because that's one of the techniques 
to uh, to increase this. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but I don't care. <laughs> um, so uh, that's important to realize that we are we have a spiritual attention span of a child, and we need to strengthen that. Um, so uh, it is a matter of wishing, wishing to become able to collect one's attention and hold it upon the desire program. So the wishing is enough. Why? Because the wishing is the beginning of the will. When we wish for something, we're putting our willpower there. Um, our will, our attention is going there. And now faith is important because they're saying the entire activity only occurs when there is, uh, and I'm getting ahead of this, uh, this part, but faith that the outcome of this discipline is possible. Faith means believing without having proof simply believing and if you put your faith there i mean your faith is like you know you throw your um, um what's it called fishing stick thing you know <laughs> um i forgot and i play zelda ocarina of time i forgot what it is so fishing pole <laughs> your little nylon thing right so you throw it that's your faith you know that you're gonna get something out of it the outcome is there so you have the wish, which is the beginning, the will that continues the programming, and you. Um, this is going to strengthen the will. You know, you're going to um, to keep your attention there, and that is in the works. If you want to change something again, uh, fasting is doing magic. Fasting is doing magic only if the self is conscious enough to use it as an analog for the ridding of excess material, mental material. And spiritual material as well as um, uh, body uh, material uh, stuff that we don't want in our bodies right so it's an, an analog for that so in the same way we can do this without fasting we can only put our attention there and say I don't desire this or I actually and this is a key thing I, I love that I'm talking about this because this is one of the things that I learned from shamans that when you are trying to get rid of something don't get rid of something just because you don't want it. And I talked about this before. Get rid of something because it's not serving you any longer. So it's like, um, it's I don't know, I, I'm very empathic with my computers. I, I have a hard time letting them go. You know, I can stay with them for like 20 years, possibly. I think I've gotten that long. Um, I actually did. And, you know, it's just saying thank you. Thank you, I don't need you anymore. But it's not like throwing it out because you don't need it. And at the same time, you're integrating something new. So in this case, you know, you're integrating something new that you want in your life, and thus you need to release something. So that's a better way to to do work with integration, and that is magic. Making uh, changes in consciousness at will, because you want it. And it's not, you know, your higher self forcing you <laughs> through life experiences for that to happen, even though it happens. Anyhow. Uh, let's go on. We have a lot to cover. My God. I keep saying that. Don says, can you mention some exercises for helping to increase the attention span? Ra says, such exercises are common among the many mystical traditions of your entities. The visualization of a shape and color which is of personal inspirational quality to the meditator is the heart of what you would call the religious aspects of this sort of visualization. The visualization of simple shapes and colors which have no innate inspirational quality to the entity form the basis for what you may call your magical traditions. Okay, so this is meditation. So Don is asking, you know, how can we strengthen the will, right? Or how can we, what he said, exercise to help and increase the attention span, which is really, you know, our, our will, um, where, where we put our will. And Ra says, such experiences are common among the mystical traditions, which is meditation. Uh, the visualization, they put as an example visualization for meditation, only because in meditation you can strengthen your will by visualizing things, you know, and this, it's a very helpful thing. You hear all kinds of stuff that you can visualize and they're all fine. You know, visualize, you know, a mandala or visualize, you know, uh, Ge uh, geometrical uh, shape that you enjoy uh, visualize whatever you know colors visualize whatever this is why guided meditation is so powerful too because they're hel helping you visualize something and this 
But see, guided meditation to me is not strengthening the will because somebody else is telling you what to do. You yourself want to strengthen your will by putting your attention into something that you think is inspirational. Um, like they say, they mention a couple of things. Uh, shape and color, which is of personal inspirational quality to the meditator. So, you know, shape and color that has some inspiration for you. Maybe Jesus, maybe the cross, maybe uh, the Star of David, maybe uh, something else. I don't know. Something like that is uh, that you can see, you know, it's, um, it's a color and shape. And is at the heart of what you may call religious aspects of this sort of visualization, of course. Like I mentioned, you know, the sacred heart of Jesus, maybe. The visualization of simple shapes and colors, which have no innate inspirational quality to the entity from the basis for, for what you may call your magical traditions. So, I'm not familiar with the magical traditions. Um, somebody else may fill me in with this one. But that would be uh, things that are not no inspirational qualities. And the only thing I can think about here is just that you are um, you're you're not being inspired. Just like the med the guided meditation is not inspiring you into something, you're not using ex using something external. Uh, say you know like say the Sacred Heart of Jesus or the cross, which does have an inspiration. It's bringing something already to you, built in it, into your mind. This is different no inspirational quality means that you know there are shapes and colors that are simply not um of no inspiration they're just there you know to kind of um fortify your your attention span in that way but again i'm i know they mentioned magical traditions and i'm not familiar with that so let's go on to the next part of ross answer where they say whether you image or imagine um the rose or the circle is not important. However, it is suggested that one or the other path towards visualization be chosen in order to exercise this faculty, faculty being the strengthening of the will. This is due to the careful arrangement of shapes and colors which have been described as visualizations by those steeped in the magical tradition. Once again, I'm not familiar with the magical traditions um, and um, there seems to be a, a correlation with which I, I think, you know, maybe this is just me speculating here, but if our magical traditions, you know, that they're referring here have, you know, put a lot of emphasis maybe on the flower of life, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, of power there or, you know, the Merkaba or any other geometrical shape or, you know, the lotus flower or, you know, um, whatever, maybe the Buddha image, things like that, you know, there is a lot of power there. So this is why, you know, you, you would have to, they suggest that you, uh, you choose a path because there seems to be power in that visualization. That's my speculation. But in any case, you know, again, this is not that you have to do it, but it's a way to strengthen your will. There are other ways to meditate, of course, and we'll talk about that as we go into the next questions. But um, this is important to keep in mind for strengthening of the will, and again, it's increasing the attention span that we can have um, on something that seems to be irrelevant for our day-to-day -day life, but we're putting our, our mind to the task, right? So it is a helpful mean. All right, Don says in question 14, as a youth, I was trained in the engineering sciences, which include the necessity for three-dimensional visualization for the processes of design. Would this be helpful as a foundation for the type of visualization that you are speaking of, or would it be of no value? Ross says, to you, the questionnaire, this experience was valuable. To a less sensitized entity, it would not gain the proper increase of concentrative energy. So Don was an engineer. Uh, I know he had a, uh, I think a master's in engineer. Um, engineering, I forgot what it was. But in any case, you know, of course he was familiarized with or trained in, you know, visualizing 3D um, shapes. So he asked, you know, if that was helpful. And Ross says, to you, and maybe for other people, not so much. <laughs> um, so that's basically, you know, what, what Don was saying there. So Don continues to says, then the less sensitized entity should use a, uh, what should he use for the proper energy? Ross says, 
In the less sensitized individual, the choosing of personally inspirational images is appropriate, whether this inspiration be the rose, which is of perfect beauty, the cross, which is of perfect sacrifice, the Buddha, which is the all-being one, or whatever else may inspire the individual. See, so this is what I was talking about. Some things have, okay, so the less sen uh, sensitized individual in that way, you know, of 3D, um, 3D modeling in your mind. <laughs> um, things, and I love how now they say the rose, which is perfect, uh, is for perfect beauty. You see, Ra's not saying that the rose is the perfect beauty. It is that in our mind, they know that in our collective mind, a rose always seems, you know, like beauty. But some people may see the rose as, I don't see it beautiful. Am I missing something? No, you're not. You know, roses are not supposed to be beautiful. We have uh, given that, you know, connotation to it. We're given that value. It's a concession, um, uh, consensual reality. It's almost like saying a tree. If I say tree, everybody figures out, you know, a plant, you know, something with roots in a trunk and, you know, some leaves. But if I see tree to somebody who doesn't understand English, they're going to say, what? What do you mean? <laughs> Arbol in Spanish. You know, it's just, it just has nothing to do with it. So we give consensual um, approval to some things. In the same way, the cross is the perfect symbol of sacrifice. A cross is just two lines, period. But in our consensual reality, I mean, as for a cross, couple of thousand years ago nobody cared and we we're like cross oh yeah you know that's just a geometrical shape two lines whatever you know but now for our society it is sacrifice we all relate it to jesus so you know that's that's an inspirational thing that we get buddha you know buddha could be anything in you know in any other language or somebody who doesn't understand it or just the, the shape of the the buddha or the figure but for us knowing that Buddha, you know, represents everything, oneness. That's, you know, what we get out of it. And they say, or whatever else may inspire the individual. So, you see, there's no one specific thing. They're just giving examples. So, I don't want you to get hung up on this and think that, you know, you have to meditate on one of those. Whatever it is, listen, you know, the Triforce in Zelda, right? So, you have the Triforce. If you, I do it, actually, <laughs> believe it or not or you know a staff or uh you know the elder tree or you know your your master your grandmother whatever it may be you know just focus on something and strengthen your will on that that's important that's all that matters all right don says i had one experience in meditation which i spoke of before which was very profound approximately 20 years ago nonetheless what disciplines would be most applicable to recreate the situation in this type of experience Ross says, your experience would be best would best be approached from the ceremonial magical stance. However, the wanderer or adept shall have the far greater potential shall have the far greater potential for this type of experience, which, as you have undoubtedly analyzed to be the case, is one of the archetypal nature, one belonging to the roots of cosmic consciousness. So this is an experience that Don had. Uh, first of all, you're not going to find this in the original books. It's going to be in the fifth book, if anything. So this is material from the fifth book. They didn't include it in the original books. Uh, but it is part of the raw contact or the realism version, which I use. And um, they're saying that, yeah, that experience, uh, Carl, I think, explained in book five that it was um, Don was meditating or in this uh, sort of uh, meditative state and he felt I think it was colors that were so alive and also something about his arm I forget but it was something of that effect and it was very you know in inspiring so Ross says that you know your experience would best be approached from the ceremonial magical stance which means as far as I understand is when you invoke your higher self basically you know and you have a sort of ritual in your mind or even could be physical where you do whatever it may be a ritualistic um uh, kind of thing i'm not very keen to that stuff i'm very you know i'm not into the ceremonial stuff unless you know it, the only ceremonial ceremonial stuff that i've participated in has been in uh plant medicine and that's because the ceremony requires it so 
Um, but in any case, you know, that's that's how it's best approached. That experience itself that Don had. However, they say that the Wanderer or Adept shall have the far greater potential for this type of experience, which, as he, uh, he realized, Don, is one of an archetypal nature, one belonging to the roots of cosmic consciousness. So it's almost like it's 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 um it's bound to be triggered, you know. It's bound. You you have to go through that process. If it's in the roots of cosmic consciousness and it's of an archetypal nature, then that means that is um, the experience, not the same experience, of course, but the path. The uh, the there is no experience is something you can't explain. You only explain it in terms of what you perceive, and that is an illusion. The the real deal is experience. <laughs> The whole universe is experience. Everything else is how we perceive the, the experience, right? So it is bound to happen to all of us. It's basically saying, don't worry, when you die, you're going to have the experience of your life. <laughs> it sounds contradictory, but it is true. Death is the reminder of what life is about. Uh, and we all go through that archetypal structure of death and rebirth, right? So that's what they're, they're saying here, in my opinion. That's just how it works. Uh, Sedan's gonna inquire more about this. And it's gonna say, was that in any way related to the Golden Dawn and ceremonial magic? Uh, Ra says the relationship was congruency, meaning that it was. They participated and did a lot of that uh, Golden Dawn stuff. Golden Dawn. <laughs> Get it? Dawn. Elkins. Anyhow. Question 19, Don says, Then, in attempting to reproduce this experience, would I then best follow practices for the order of the Golden Dawn in reproducing this? Ra says, To attempt to reproduce an initiatory experience is to move, shall we say, backwards. <laughs> However, the practice of this form of service to others is appropriate in your case, working with your associates. It is not well for positively polarized entities to work singly. The reasons for this are obvious. Okay, so uh, Don's gonna ask something else, but I'll just go through that and then go to the next question. So Don is saying like, oh, so for me to reproduce this again, you know, should I follow the Golden Dawn, you know, practices and whatnot? And Ross says to reproduce this, it's almost like saying, you know, um, to try to have your first kiss again, is like going backwards. Like, why would you want to do that? You know, you went through that. Um, so it's not, this goes a lot, you know, for people in the psychedelic community. And I'm sorry, you know, if this takes a little uh, off, you know, turns you off a little bit. But people who get so hooked on psychedelics that they can't, you know, let them go. Like they need to have them. You know, it's like a, they're not addictive, of course. <laughs> but they do make you feel like, oh my God, for me to have that, that experience again. And, you know, it, that's just not the case. I mean, you have the experience. It's like Alan Watts said, you know, you pick up the phone, you got the message, hang up the phone. You know, you don't walk around, you know, with the phone like this, I got the message, I got the message, you know? <laughs> I need to pick up the phone again to re-listen to the message. Um, so, you know, it's, um, we have to move on. And they say, okay, for the practice, the practice of this form of service, meaning the Golden Dawn, you know, and all that stuff, then it is appropriate, you know, for uh, in working with your associates, you know, so working with uh, Carla and Jim in this case, is not where uh, it's not well for positively polarized entities to work by themselves. And the reasons for this are obvious. You know, you want to have people who you work with who are in the same uh, synteny or uh, frequency. So there's much to be said there, but. Let's go. Next question is Don saying, then this experience was a form of initiation. Is this correct? You can feel that Rod didn't want to talk more about this and just says yes. <laughs> so Don says, all right, thank you. Using the teach learning relationship of parent to its child, what type of actions would demonstrate the activation of each energy center in sequence from red through violet? That's a good, good question. Uh, Rod's going to go deep into this and say, this shall be the last full query of this working. The entity, child, or adult, as you call it, is not an instrument to be played. The appropriate teach-learning device of parent to child is the open-hearted beingness of the parent and the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. 
This will encompass whatever material the child entity has brought into the life experience in this plane. There are two things especially important in this relationship other than the basic acceptance of the child by the parent. Now, a couple of things here. Don is saying, uh, let's use the example of the relationship of teacher learning from a parent to a child. What type of actions would demonstrate the activation of each energy center in sequence from red through violet? You see, I understand Don's idea of, you know, following the sequence of how this works in activation, but it's never, activation is not turning on a light switch, you know, and boom, your Manipura chakra is activated. Ooh, your throat chakra has now lit up. Work on it. You know, forget about green. It's a tone poem, like they say. Um, that's why they say, you know, it's not an instrument to be played in the sense that you don't play the instrument. You allow the energies to flow through you and manifest. That's why you don't block anything. You know, see, you're not playing your, all right, today I'm just going to play my orange chakra. You know, no, you, you see what's going on. You know, today you had catalyst in your heart center. Great. Let it flow. Don't repress it. Don't suppress it. And so, you know, it's a, it's not a sequence, even though there is obviously a sequence of events or a sequence of how the experience may, uh, may flow through your energy centers. But there is no sequence to be activated. So that's why Ra says, you know, um, the child, the entity, child or adult, as you call it, is not an instrument to be played. Now, the appropriate teach learning device of parents to child is the open-hearted beingness of the parent to the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. Now, let's use two things. First, the uh, the obvious child uh, parent-child relationship. You know, you and your child. You can read the same thing, and I'm going to talk to both at the same time. The other one being you as an individual and the child. You know how they say, uh, "Work your inner child, your inner child," and all that. You have your your inner child and you have your adult, your mature being, so-called mature. So the mature being is dealing with the inner child. So what does that mean? Total acceptance. That means total acceptance of yourself too. So you can see this with your child, if you have one, or with your inner child, which you do have. And they say the appropriate teach-learning device of parent to child is the open-heartedness beingness of the parent and the total acceptance. So the parent being total, you know, acceptance of the child. And, um, you know, that's that's just the main thing for any child, especially the inner child. You have to accept yourself. That is the self that you're trying to accept, the child that needs to mature. This will encompass whatever material the child entity has brought into the life experience in this plane, whether it be, uh, you know, another entity child, your child, or your inner child that has brought into this plane. It'll bring about all that material. It'll Once you're accepted, that material will come out. There are two things especially important in this relationship other than the basic acceptance of the child to uh, by the parent. Let's go to that. What are these two things? Firstly, the experience of whatever means the parent uses to worship and give thanksgiving to the one infinite creator should, if possible, be shared with the child entity upon a daily basis as you would say. Secondly, the compassion of parent to child may well be tempered by the understanding that the child entity shall learn the biases of service to others, of service to self from the parental other self. So, see, well, in the second one, we see more of a physical, you know, parent and child example, but um, let's go through them anyways. Firstly, the experience of whatever means the parent uses. So, in essence, how you teach your child to be more in tune with um, with the one infinite creator. How you teach them meditation. How you teach them um, appreciation, contemplation. How do you teach them how to be, you know, how to appreciate the self. That also applies to the inner child. How you tell your inner child that is still, you know, crying and suffering from traumas and all this stuff to be accepted by you, by the new you, which is the same. But, you know, in this way, it kind of helps to see a sort of segmentation of the self, which is not really true, you know, and my, um, I don't know, my Buddhist mind tries not to see it that way. Um, but you know what I mean when I talk about the inner child and you. 
It works that way for an exercise. So that's you also teaching yourself, you know, to be more in accordance with meditation. You teaching your inner child to be more, you know, <laughs> it works great, you know, with the last question uh, about our spiritual span being the one of a child. Of course, our spiritual um, attention span has to do with that child's attention span that we're trying to mature and grow. You see the parallel there. there. So your inner child is growing with you. Secondly, the compassion of parent to child this also works with the inner child, may be tempered by the understanding that the child entity shall learn from the biases of service to others or service to self from the parental other self. Self-explanatory if you have a child that makes sense, you know, you are teaching your child how to be, but also in my more complex view of this, which is the inner child, you can see that the service to others and service to self that you, the mature being, are um, are allowing to happen the ego self let's put it that way uh is allowing to happen then that will teach the inner child and it's gonna you know you're gonna be naturally spontaneously service to others or service to self in those aspects of your life so there's one more thing that ross says and i'll get to that that's it ross says this is the reason that some discipline inappropriate let me read it again this is the reason that some discipline is appropriate in the teach learning. This does not apply to the activation of any one energy center for each entity is unique and each relationship with self and other self doubly unique. These, the guidelines given are only general for this reason. All right, so now we go back to Don's question about the activation sequentially of all the stuff and how the teach learning happens. Um, you can see that you, you're all over the place here if you're dealing with a child. A child may have a question about, you know, where is this cosmos, you know, end? You know, that is a very indigo, you know, question to me. Um, or blue, you know, it wants to understand. Or it can, you know, ask, you know, why why do I have to go to sleep now? You know, that's very, you know, basic survival. You need to sleep, okay? <laughs> um, and in the same way, you know, that's just how we deal with our societal influences, our situations general situations in life so they say this is the reason that some discipline is appropriate in the teach learning you have to have discipline with yourself and your inner child and of course with your child if you have one this does not apply to the activation of any one energy center like i said just before for each entity is unique and each relationship with self and other self doubly unique Basically, there's no way to say, you know, all right, if you want to activate your blue energy center, you have to do this, this, and that. No, everybody's unique. Everybody has to do it, and you have to allow them to be, including yourself. If you don't know yourself, that works the same way. You have to allow yourself to flow and not have some previous condition, past conditioning, that tells you, oh, no, you shouldn't speak in public. That's not good. Or you shouldn't dress this way. You know, people are going to think this. If that's what you want to do, let it flow. So the guidelines given are only general for this reason. And I agree with that. So we have uh, the end of session 42 now. The last question, actually Don says, um, ask something about cattle mutilations, which I'm going to go into next session for sure. I'm going to extrapolate a lot of stuff there, or at least something that I've been thinking about you know, with cattle mutilation and what Ra says, because I think it's very important. Actually, it's it's it's, it's kind of interesting. Let's put it that that way. So that's it. That's the end of session forty-two. Conclusions are have they have to be with the balancing of the self, with strengthening of the will, meditation, and of course our activation of energy centers. So important, all of them, because we're talking about the. Um, recognition of self, who you are, and who, how you allow to be yourself. Balancing yourself is simpler than we think. In fact, the more we think, <laughs> the more complicated we make it. So, we talked about the energy centers as being the the way we can place our emotions and our feelings and our thoughts and least of all our behaviors because they inform us of how they both, you know, one is a, a, a reference frame, energy centers, and the other are the actual experiences, the energies that are coming to. And so the energy centers are kind of 
you know, um, shaped, let's put it that way. They're shaped to a degree that you can see where the emotion is going to. Red, blue, uh, green, yellow, etc. So you can see where your emotions, your daily emotions are going to, your thoughts, your feelings. All your day, you can analyze it through your energy centers. This is why when I had um, my first understanding on chakras, I said, this is a system that I don't understand and I need to because it will bring me, it seems to be, I don't know how to describe it, but it seemed to be like a system, a system that describe and explain everything in consciousness. I was very interested in consciousness at the beginning of my journey in the spiritual awakening and, you know, uh, philosophical inquiry. Um, and yeah, they are very important. Now, once you have these energy centers cataloged and your experiences filtered through them and you, you know where they belong, then you can go and move forward to meditation. That's why they say at the end of a day, at the end of a day, it's really um, useful to go to bed and think about these things, you know, not even go to bed, just before, turn off the TV, put your, put your phone away, maybe for 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it may be. If you want to do an hour, that's fine. Just think about everything. Be grateful of everything in your day. Always be grateful. And then see, you know, after gratitude, see what were the things that you can say, okay, I need to work on this. Or I need to pay attention more to this. Why am I concerned about the news? Why am I concerned about my family? Why am I concerned about this? And that doesn't mean don't be concerned. It just means why. Ask why. And in the asking of the why, you will find the illusion and dissipation of the problem. Uh, or, you know, why do I feel, why do I not feel love? You know, whatever it may be. Put it into context. And there you will see that is, you know, the meditation part. Strengthening of the will will help you not get distracted, of course, like we mentioned. And um, cultivating of your inner child, of course. See, you're going to see the inner child come after. In fact, this is so, uh, so important. When you analyze yourself in those situations, you will see that your inner child is always the one begging for attention for something that you had. It's causing you to feel unloved or feel worried or feel whatever. Is your inner child that was affected at some point in your life and you're still carrying that so healing your inner child is very important so with that i come to the end of this video end of session 42. uh as always thank you so much for watching if you want to support the channel and me myself actually i am the channel nobody else <laughs> i wish i have a production team but i don't uh just as always you have the links in the descriptions for that uh most importantly just like subscribe if you haven't i know there's a lot of people that come visit and leave without subscriptions that's fine but if you're one of them please subscribe just takes one click and share sharing is caring so sharing this material with people who may want to get into this kind of stuff uh that i know it's very esoteric and very deep but hey you never know who's gonna resonate with it so that's all i got Thank you again. I love you because we are all one consciousness and we're just talking from a point of view that seems separated. But I can only love you because I'm loving myself here. So it's like a it's a selfish, loving, all-encompassing all way of saying I love myself because I am the universe and I am you and you are the universe and you know how this works. So, all right, that's it. I have no more, no more words to say, but goodbye and I see you in session 43.